Prowler's Ends, Prowler'sEnds.com. This is Adam Spiegelman. Sean Merrick was nice enough to come into our Skype studios on the internet and proudly resent the film Boiler Room from 2000. Boiler Room had a cast of who's who, who was hot then but is not now. Sean, why did you pick this film? I love this movie unabashedly, to be honest. I know it's not, I know the show is about proudly resents, but uh, I feel like at some point, here's the thing, I love this movie. However, I do kind of resent enjoying it so much because not as many other people do. I wish that more people enjoyed it more, but I feel like it's not never going to happen. So hence, I'm you know, kind of alone on my own island. Is this your plea to get people to actually like this film? Yes. Yes, I want all of your listeners to enjoy this film, check it out, give it a shot. If you never have, it's... I, I don't know. It just it was it was a movie back when, when it first came out. I, I, was, I didn't know anything about it. And I checked it out uh, just, you know, with my friends. And uh, I was living in Buffalo at the time. I ended up, it was just one of those movies where I was around 20, 21 years old, and it was very like, it just resonated uh, very strongly with me. You know, as a young man, as a young man trying to, you know, figure out his, his lot in life. And here I was, you know, watching a movie about guys who were young and hungry and finding their way around to, you know, get rich and, you know, not have a care in the world. And I just, it's just something about it just kind of, you know, struck me as like, wow, you know, maybe, maybe that's how, maybe that's what I'm, what I'm missing. Had you never seen a Scorsese film? Is that why you liked it so much? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not, I'm not a big, I've never been a big Scorsese guy. So maybe, and I, 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 yeah, I just, it's just one of those things where, you know, this, this was the right kind of movie at the right kind of time. I, I get what you're saying about, um, the age things I, I do i am some of my guilty pleasures have been films that were just right at the right time they, they get you when you're a kid or or you know what have you but yeah this film you want to talk about uh what it's about just to give people who haven't seen um wolf of wall street casino goodfellas or <laughs> any other better version of this movie yeah <laughs> Come on. Um, so basically, it's about a bunch of it's about, uh, it revolves around G- Giovanni Ribisi, who plays a streetwise kid named Seth, who uh, goes from running his own backdoor casino to becoming a uh, stockbroker for a less than scrupulous, uh, more, or actually a very unscrupulous firm uh, known as JT Marlin. And uh, it basically degrades from there because he gets really good at selling stocks and really good at taking people's money. But then he starts feeling a lot of guilt and there's this whole thing with him trying to figure out how to become his, his, you know, become uh, the greatest person in his father's eyes. And it just goes uh, downhill from there. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it leads to a, you know, a, a conclusion very much, pretty much exactly like Wolf of Wall Street. So, you know, at the time, there was a that whole greed is good thing going on. They, they do reference a lot of the other films that we kind of said, Wall Street. They they sit around, they watch Wall Street, they memorize they, it. They literally watch Wall Street. <laughs> they literally are watching it, and they quote it because it's, you know, it's like their 
Dr. Horrible sing-along blog kind of thing. They just sit around and just, you know, that Ben Ben Affleck and Vin Diesel and Jamie Kennedy they all get together and they they watch they watch Wall Street and they quote the lines. So they're showing you better films just to make it to up to lift up this film. There, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just being a dick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, let's talk. You could you rag on it all you want. I I will not be offended. I am not. I, I am. You cannot shake me in this. So Good, <laughs> bring your worst. You you are on your own. I'm not the only <laughs> one. Vin Diesel is beginning. Giovanni Ribisi, of course, plays uh, a Jewish guy with the name Seth Davis. Yes. His dad, the, the most Jewy person ever. Nia Long, who's fantastic, who's a love interest. In one of the posters, because I was pulling up posters, um, there's yeah. one poster that looks like it's a $100 bill, or mm-hmm. and they have their faces on it, and all their faces are brightly lit, or just hue is brought up. So Vin Diesel and Nia Long are as white as everybody else. So conspiracy theories. I'm looking at actually I'm looking at that right oh my god you're right I've never actually I'm not really familiar with this poster because I've always seen seen, version yeah yeah I've always seen the the DVD cover and I had uh, a poster that I bought that was like a a money themed poster but it was um, just the the main male characters you know in the office just kind of posing and you uh, hang this poster I hung it above my bed in uh, when I was going to grad school in Boston, I had a apartment in Somerville, and I needed a place to put it, so I had that poster above my bed. Was it a twin bed or was it a uh, a full queen? It was it was a twin. Yes. It was a twin. This was this was uh... actually no wait no oh no it was it was a, it was a queen because I happened to have a queen bed there. By coincidence, yeah. right? You didn't go out and say, "Oh, I need a queen bed." Right. No. As no, a typical guy to... in his twenties, you were like, well, "Whatever I found in the street." Was there yeah, milk? no, it was, it was nice to have a big bed, like a big, you know, because I, I always just slip on twins. And I'm a tall guy, though, so I just, you know, I felt it was time. I felt it was it was nice to have be forced into moving up into a bigger bed. Not to have your feet hanging over the side. Right. And was it on a box spring or did you put milk crates underneath it? I think it was. Box spring on the was, floor. No, no, I don't think it was a box spring on the floor because this was this was a a apartment in Somerville, Massachusetts. The the landlord's brother, and my landlord was a was an Asian guy, and his brother didn't speak any English, so I spent most of my time hanging out with this. The Asian guy didn't speak English, but you know. Did you make him watch this movie? No, 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 no. I should have though. It probably yeah. it probably would probably would have blew his mind. It would have killed him. And so when women saw the poster, did they feel like they run out? Did they feel let down? You know, the only person that saw the poster was my current wife. So it worked. It worked. It must yeah. have worked, or at least she was not intimidated by uh, Vin Diesel and uh, Giovanni Ribisi posing over her while you know we laid in uh, a twin bed together. <laughs> or not? Busted. <laughs> All right, yeah. we got you. Um, and then other people in the movie: uh, Scott Kahn, you know, future uh, James Kahn son. Future, future when he wasn't he wasn't he born was not yet. Not at the time. Not at the time. Is he was he uh, is he like is this like a like a cable from uh, Marvel's X Men kind of thing? You know, Scott Summers' future son coming from the future. I'm so um, glad you're here. You have upped my level of uh, credibility with your references. <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I think I, go, I think I'm not actually accurate at either, but it that, it just it felt matter. right to say. I get so. one email. Uh, <laughs> Ron Rifkin plays the most Jewish person ever. 
And yes, he does. Jamie Kennedy plays a guy named Adam with no last name. Who else is in this? Uh, Tom Everett Scott, Ben Affleck, of course. Uh, David Younger is the director, is in it. And Seth Yulian. No, ben, ben Younger. Ben Younger is in it. You're right. His brother is David Younger. He's in this film. And his credits include the three movies his uh, brother made, which is great. What was, he, what was the other movie his brother made? He, he, uh, ben made Prime. He made this movie. And he has a new one out. Uh, Prime, I mean, for a guy who made three movies, he uh, this movie had a lot of big stars. As we said, Prime has Meryl Streep in it and Uma Thurman. I mean, so the guy's not... So when he goes out there, he hits really far. And then his third movie is called uh, Bleed for This, which is in post-production. He did do Army Wives, and people love the Army Wives. Mm -hmm. uh, Miles Teller is in his new movie, See, so he's knocking it out of the park again. Oh, is he? Yeah, Miles Teller, you know, Mr. Mr. Fantastic himself. I'm yeah. assuming that will be a future probably Hello. presents. Have you seen it yet? I have not. So this we're I, recording it right after the opening weekend, and uh, I was yeah, I had a free ticket to go, and I thought I'm going to watch it. I guess for for this show, but I I just how many more times do I need to be disappointed? When Rocky well, Corman made the best version, you know there's a problem. Right. Well, here's a th here's the thing. First of all, Fantastic Four, as a rule of thumb in my eyes are probably the benchmark for boring superheroes. I don't find them fascinating, you know, outside of like Ben Grimm, you know, and maybe some of the other stuff that he would do when he's like in other books or he's on his own, but if he's in the Fantastic Four, I'm like, I could care less. I really could. You know, the first two movies, just I did not, you know, I mean, they weren't, you know. Good. They're just, they, they just made, just be made. I mean, they're all those, all the movies, all three of these movies, you know, that Marvel has made since the the Corman version, uh, have been made out of spite. <laughs> On a deadline because they had to, not because they figured it out. Yeah, so they had to get these done because they wanted to keep the rights and. Uh, and this one, so, they, they cast like they just wanted to, who's the hottest people, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, could... they, the the hottest actors in the moment, so they didn't even match up who's who. Uh, I always liked the comic book. I don't know why. I always had an affinity. That's why I'm always disappointed in the films, to be honest with you. I don't know. I, yeah, no, I, it's, it just, I, I'll see. I think I want to see it just to see if it is as difficult to get through as everybody is saying it is. I mean, I'll give it a shot. Because it can't, I mean, because I mean, Ant-Man wasn't that great either. Let's be honest. Yeah, but people went to see it. You know, why, <laughs> sure they did. why would people turn up by a superhero they've never heard of? That could have been made up, you know, uh, a, a C D list, you know, C string, whatever uh, superhero, over the Fantastic Four, who really should be up there with uh, Iron Man. I mean, I always felt like they were the marquee. Well, they are. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 not. There's no disputing that. However, I feel like the and and I know that they're saying that you know Josh Trank. He went on Twitter and he was like, "This isn't the version I wanted," you know, and uh, the director, you know, and so now he's getting in all sorts of heat for that, but. I mean, people were already thinking that in the first place. Like, it just felt, you know, like they, they had the movie, you know, the two previous movies, and everybody was just bummed out by those, and they just, they saw this coming, and it looked, you know, it looked intriguing. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, as far as i concerned, the thing looks like a cookie. It looks like an oatmeal cookie. It looks awful. You can't make him worse, every film. They they just find ways to make him, you know, he I think uh, I heard the Michael Chiklis version be described as a, a rotting pumpkin. Mm -hmm. I, th I thought that was accurate. Just yeah, CGI so. it up, right? I mean, no one at this point it'll look much better if you just fake it entirely. Yeah. You know, like the eighth time they did the Hulk, it looked fine. They figured it out. 
It's amazing that you can just keep failing in major films. So let's get back to uh, Boiler Room, because that's what people are listening to. Now they're just like, come on, let's hear more about the Boiler Room. Let's <laughs> more about the Boiler Room. So, which, uh, which is there, well, for, of course, you know, Groot is in this movie. So, hey, you know, let's, let's bring it back to that. Let's tie all that in together. Who's that? Groot. The Vin Diesel. The Vin Diesel. Right, right, Groot. Sorry. from. Uh, <laughs> I'm cutting that out. I want to keep uh, my listeners. Uh, both of them. <laughs> So yes, Vin Diesel's in it. This is when he was a rising star. He was, uh, he was big. Giovanni Ribisi's a great actor. He's great in this. I don't know, if, like after his bad choices or the movie's just not working, he got in movie jail. But he's uh, was this was this pre or post Mod Squad? I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, Mod Squad is that what it is that did it? Because he was supposed to be like the next great. actor. I think actor. it was. Yeah, because I'm on, I'm on IMDb right now. I feel like Mod Squad was 2000. Three Boing, no. 1999. So it was after Mod Squad. Okay. Um, the Gift is a terrible film. Gone in 60 seconds. You can't fault the guy, right? I mean, and then they just stopped giving him good movies to do. They gave him to um, Ed. Uh, well, I can't think of his name. The guy who played the Hulk. Uh, Eric Bana. No, Dark the other Mar- one. Fellow? Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he did, Ed Norton started taking all the Giovanni Ribisi roles. I think. And then he yeah, he got, got he got all he got all the the shreds because he was like flight of the phoenix. I could see Ed Norton being in that. I could see them being switched. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, they're like, you know what? Let's switch this around. We need different white guys. And there, this movie, uh, Boiler Room, has a lot of interchangeable white guys. You know, because at the time, I think when they're developing this, there's a great book, and and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. It's a this guy interviewed people about their first time directing films, and that's why I read the director of this film. He was a, a waiter at this fancy restaurant in New York, and. He's working. He he schmoozed his way into getting on sets. He worked on Walking and Talking, which is a really cool independent film that actually I worked not on, but right next door. No big deal. But uh, this is a fascinating history. But it's the ninety. It's two thousand, obviously. But it's the nineties movies that kept coming out about a bunch of guys who do bad and then get in the end a, a, a new version of Mean Streets, Laws of Gravity, Amongst Friends. Right. So this is just a, a different twist on it with like an old fashioned morality at the end. And a heavy-handed father issue thing. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, there's a lot of uh, hemming and hawing, and uh, just a lot of family issues, and trying to prove yourself, you know, from being something that you, you know, that you people think you are. I mean, yeah, man. There's but there but there's just a lot of weird. There's a lot of weird moments in this movie, though, too. Like what? Um, well, let's see. I. Because I rewatched this movie again and actually took notes, which is weird. Just weird in the sense that the there's people that are not as there's characters that is just like you just I don't know. Just like watching back at it, I'm just like man, you know, just making bad choices, illogical choices. Like I mean, if he's okay, he's in this evil firm, and he's he's smart to how this is going down and how bad it is, even though he's making money. You know, if he's that smart of a kid, he know. You know, the kids that are that I don't know, I feel they're that street smart know when to get out, know when to handle themselves. And I'm surprised that he would have lasted that long. You know, going down with the ship and you know being being the guy. It's like you know, but obviously they had to have a movie because of that. I will say this. Let's see. I have I have a few notes. I'll, I'll just read. I have a stream of consciousness of notes. Let's see. Here's a, here's a few good things though, that came through. I wrote Batman is out of control. Oh, because of uh, Ben Affleck. Do you, do you, how did you feel about Ben Affleck in this movie? It was such a Glengarry Glenn Ross homage, I guess, but he was on it more than than um, Alec Baldwin was. 
So he should have been in there a lot more or a lot less, I felt like. You know, where was he most of the time? Well, it's also at one point, too, because they're like, hey, he's one of the top earners and stuff. And But you don't ever see or hear from him. He just shows up to literally, literally his purpose in the movie is to show up and yell at somebody, which is great. Yeah, he's great in it. Here's the thing about this movie, too, is that my friends and I, when we saw this, we just kind of got so wrapped up to it. And we just recited this over and over, like some of the lines over and over again. Like uh, one of my favorites is uh, it's at the very beginning when – and it's just little moments where he, uh, where Giovanni Ribisi, you know, he gets to the, gets to JT Marlin, he walks up and he, you know, and he sees the door open, he sneaks in and he's watching all the brokers go crazy. And Vin Diesel just sees him and he's like, hey, Chad, get the fuck out of here. And I, I, we would just say that all the time. Just why not? You know, or, or when uh, Ron Rifkin's like, I'm a judge in this community that or of course the ben affleck you know god damn it you fucking guys you know just just i i love it i love i love being able to quote this movie and the soundtrack for this movie this is one thing that this movie does do great i i you know dare to say it's you know for an, an on a hip-hop tip uh it, it it rivals whatever scorsese would do <laughs> not that he's been known for that sort of stuff but uh, it's a great soundtrack. I don't know if you if you have that something that you dig. That was perfect music from for the time. It um, was. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. was definitely the soundtrack of college. Sean, I'm gonna have to uh, either take a break or because uh, I actually had a. I thought we were just gonna do five to six, and I have to. Um, I have to. Take oh, I'm a, sorry. Take, no, no, no. But let's. I would love to talk more. Can we do it more tomorrow? Um. Or later on. Later on today, I could. I mean. Well, how much later? Uh, oh, probably like eight. You want to do it from home? Yeah, I could do it from home. I'll, I'll, I'll I might, that might sound a bit different because I'm calling you. I'm, gonna, I'm not. I'm in my studio right now, so. No, it sounds great now. Yeah, let's do it then. And uh, so we're gonna take a break, and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk more about Boiler Room. Hey, man, this is Adam. I just wanted to jump in and say, listen, this is what happened. Uh, the way I explain it. And the second half is totally wrong. It makes me. What happened was, Sean was supposed to. We were supposed to record from five thirty to six, and at six I was going to take over and uh, start putting the baby to sleep. Sean goes at five forty-five, so I figured I can kind of milk another fifteen minutes. And at six, the baby starts crying, so I feel guilty that uh, I was leaving my wife with the baby and and recording the show. So. Um, I make it sound like the baby was sitting by herself and playing with glass and shooting dice or, you know, punching sailors or something, but the baby was safely with her mother. So I am not a horrible father, a crappy husband, apparently. But listen, I saved everything, saved the day. But it worked out really well because Sean went home and recorded from home and it was a lot more casual. The audio quality is a lot different. Eh, for better or for worse, I did best I can, mostly to fix the audio. I tried not to cut too much content out. Usually I would cut out like a half hour or something, but it's a lot of fun. Sean is a great guy with uh, terrible taste in movies, but um, I really enjoyed this episode. I think you will too, the rest of it. This is a movie that Sean loved partly because of where he was in his life when he watched it, so I would love to know that from you. What movie did you see that you look back now and you're like, eh? Maybe not so great, but it was perfect for when you saw it. Like for me, there's a lot of them right out of college, including David Mamet's movie Homicide with Joe Mantegna because uh, it dealt with identity, Jewish identity and all that. So it really resonated with me. 
And as you heard the last episode, we talked about the big picture. Uh, the movie Bamboozled also really has a lot of flaws, but resonated with me, and uh, I really like it. So, love to hear what you think. Reach Adam at Mac.com. You can post it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash proudlyresents, or proudlyresents.com slash Facebook. You choose it. Tweet it out also at proudlyresents. And uh, if you have a movie or any comments, if you like the episode, put it on the old social media. I ask that every episode, but I think it's a great thing. A couple people have done it, and it is awesome. I appreciate it. It really does make a difference. Like you care. But Liz, you should. You should. Big changes are happening next episode. I will announce a big change. Very excited. Uh, relying on Nico to get it going. So when I say next episode, I say cross my fingers. Hope it happens. And that's that's it. All right. Back to the show. Here's a little music. Boiler room stings. Oh, no, that's great. All right, here we go. So the count of three, I want you to clap. All right? Uh-huh. One, two, three. Wait. <laughs> There's always a delay. Uh, we're back. Proudly resents, proudly resents.com. A lot of times I say we'll take a break, and we don't, uh, just so I can fit in some kind of promo. But uh, we actually had to take a break. Uh, there was a crying baby, and it was neither Sean nor I. And uh, <laughs> I felt guilty talking about a movie sh- with a, a shitty father while um, my baby is crying, and you and I are doing a podcast. So we had to take a quick break. Sean is at home, casual. I noticed he took the poster down, the uh, boiler did, room yeah. poster. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know what happened to the poster. I believe it's actually, uh, I think it's it's it's, it's trashed. Oh, it's not yeah. not in your mom's attic anymore. No, well, posters are hard to keep take care of. Yeah, um, it, it's not easy to do that. As a guy, you never put it in a frame or put it back on it or anything. You just kind of no. tape it to your wall. No, no, no. Yeah, just just straight up tape. That's how you do it. <laughs> so you got notes. I have my notes back up now. Good. Let's talk about it. So you love this film, The Boiler Room. And you're not afraid to say it. No, I'm not. Uh, what is your Twitter if people want to make fun of you for liking this movie? You can check me out on Twitter at Angry Hero Sean. That's S H A W N. That's my Instagram as well. I also get my Tumblr, theangryhero.tumblr.com. That's great. And you work for the uh, Sideshow Network? I do, yes. They yes, do I something am. called podcasts. I do. I, I've, I've heard of a few, yes. <laughs> Do any of you'd recommend? Of course, uh, a couple of my friends are on that network. They're great. Well, for the friends here that are probably Resents fans, that are folks that are into into movies and everything, uh, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, off the bat, probably the uh, the one of our biggest shows. But also, I mean, for film, I mean, Gilbert and uh, Frank, uh, the co the hosts, uh, are just they're film fanatics and it's very genuine show and they talk to some some of the most randomest people but also some of the biggest people you know so we've had that you had ken Uh, barry on the show who like you know five people know who that is but a lot of like old d-list guys and it's really amazing interviews they're really great yeah 
Yeah, no, they're and, and they're trying to because because that's what they're interested in, and you know, and they're and they're sort of mixing it up with some newer folks. You know, we I mean, just recently we had Judd Apatow, who he's not really that new, but you know, he's a big name. He's a young kid. And uh, then you have random folks like uh, James. Oh, why well, I'm blanking on his name, but he was the guy. I know I, I should know this because I produced a damn show. Uh, he's but he's the guy from uh, that movie uh, Return of the Living Dead. I'm blanking on his Well, you're really damn. selling the show. Uh, are you also uh, story-worthy, of course? Christine Blackburn and Hannes Finney. And then um, We Hate Movies. Is that on Sideshow? Yes, yes. And uh, I'm glad you brought them up. That show, if your listeners have not heard it yet, listen. finish listening to this and then listen to that show. Because I discovered them through the AV Club on the Onion website talking about it. And, you know, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. See what it's like. Because there's a lot of movies out there, a lot of shows out there that, you know, go, like, how did this get made? Probably, you know, there's a lot of, you know, film critique shows. And uh, these guys just have it down so well. They have it down so well that it makes me angry. That's that's kind of how I put it. Because they're so tight. And they're so funny. And they've been doing it for over four years at this point. And I, I, I listen to, it's one of the few shows that I listen to uh, on, you know, that, that I make a point to listen to every week, you know, because I have, I listen to a lot of stuff just to kind of, just kind of quality check and just kind of see what's out there. Uh, these guys, I mean, for pure enjoyment, these guys are fantastic. So uh, definitely check them out. If you're tired of this show. So you're saying you were uh, reading the AV club and you, you saw them and then, uh, you checked them out and you gave them a call. Yeah, exactly. Well, AV Club kind of had this, like, because I read the Podmas thing every week, which proudly resents, has been a, proud of, a part of it at one point. So, oh, dream tweet. My show Dream Tweet was on it two, two times, so that, that, no big deal. That's a hard That's a hard nut to crack, too. I, you know, I don't even know how it happened, because I'd been doing Proudly Resents for a year, and then Dream Tweet got on right away, and then got on again. And then two years later, I just assumed I would never get on it, you know, I was on it randomly, and it was very nice. But uh, yeah. but hold on, let me check because my phone must be broken because I was on it and I never got a call from Sean. Uh, anyway, I guess that went nowhere. So, um, but they are good guys, and if you like this show, <laughs> but you want it done with six guys with beards, uh, check out We Hate Movies. Um, they all, we all they're a lot younger than me, but we all went to the same college, so. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just finally got what you just did. <laughs> this must be here somewhere. Hello? Hello? Ken Barry? <laughs> oh, oh, so uh, James Karen. Okay. No one knows who that is. Yeah. Well, this he, audience should know. Yes. He was the, the if you if you watched uh, Return of the Living Dead, uh, he was one of the two bumbling guys. I love that movie. That is yeah. a great movie. That I, is a fantastic. I wonder if it holds up. Have you seen it recently? Because I haven't seen it since I was twelve years old. It's very I've punk seen... rock eighties. Return to living. Yeah, Day. yeah. No, I've seen it in passing here and there, and it's still it's still a lot of fun. It's 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 not. See, the thing about that is like a movie like that. It's like it's gory, but it's also very very slapsticky funny. Right. So you kind of it doesn't it doesn't ever feel very tense. But it's not supposed to, so you guess you kind of just get what you, what you want out of it, you know, and just have a good time watching a, a zombie movie. 
It's a silly you know? zombie movie. Not it's not it's, making any points. Yeah, there's no deeper Day of the Dead thesis statements no, going on. It's not on about there, communism no. or the uh, the older guy in it was did commercials locally in New Jersey for Pathmark supermarkets. So growing up, he was on TV all the time with a hard hat on selling. He would have a hard hat and he'd hold up some meat and he'd be like, Pathmark, you can't beat our prices. Um, and then he was in Return of the Living Dead. It was very strange because we thought he worked at Pathmark. We didn't know that he was a real actor. Yeah. We talked a lot about in our first half about Fantastic Four, the mm-hmm. new movie and and the connection, I think, between Fantastic Four and, and uh, um, the boiler room, hard boiled room. Is that they both have casts of of the hot actors of the day? And they're yes. both they're, all these actors are very good, obviously, but they're almost too good to be in this movie, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what happened? Like, how did he get all these great people in this? Because the script is, I just feel like, and I'm sorry, it's your film, but it's okay. But everyone rises the level of it, right? Here's the thing about the, and here's the thing too. I've read the original script of this. Oh wow. Yeah, and there's some even more questionable logic moments. I mean, it's because it's because there's a thing too. It's you could tell that it's padded out because, in my opinion, after watching this again, and I haven't watched it, you know, in that recently, but I watched it, you know, watched it again for to talk, chat about it, and the stuff with uh, Seth and Abby feels. Like, you know, like they're like, okay, we need a woman in this movie. What's she going to do? And he's, who's, who's he going to talk to about how scared he is about this stuff, you know? He it, tells her everything. Literally. And yeah, he got, so he got, he got all, he got all the, the, the shreds. He, he was her, which Flight of the Phoenix. I can see a Norton well. being in there. But meanwhile, like stuff, you said, know? her plot's kind it, of shoehorned in. She's already talking to the FBI. Literally. So yeah. it's... Weird that she's a double agent, but she already knows the stuff that he's telling her. She's not telling him. And, uh, and it, all right, so like, I don't know if you've seen Barton Fink, which is obviously it's a great film. And they had a whole thing where Barton Fink can't figure out in his script whether the main character should have a uh, a love interest or a kid, right? The, the producer says every movie needs a love interest or a kid, and he drives him crazy. This movie, she has both. It's like, is the stereotypical, uh, the black woman with take uh, working to take care of her grandma or her yeah. son because she's a single parent. They're just like fuck it. Let's just do both. Let's throw she all. Have a kid. What? She doesn't have a kid. She doesn't. Didn't she no, say she at one a, point? Mom it's, her, it's, her, it's her mother. She's taking care of her mother who's sick. She doesn't also have a kid. No, not to my knowledge. I never seen a kid. You know what? I read a different version of the script. That is not true. I uh, don't know why I thought she okay. had both. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm not on the sideshow network. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you don't have your My your uh, boiler room knowledge down pat. Yeah, yeah. So that's because that's how you impress the big guests. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know the boiler room. But uh, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so you used to feel like she was shoehorned in, or she was just there because they need a girl. It just felt very forced because it's like because the because the you know the intensity comes from the stuff that's going on at the firm and just, you know, all that, all the, you know, the intrigue and the, and the, you know, his, and, and Seth kind of digging into it and snooping around and all that stuff. And then she's just there. And I'm just, it's kind of like um, when you watch it, I don't know if you, have you watched the daredevil show yet? 
No, no, I heard it's great. It's just fantastic. But uh-huh. The moments where they they have a uh, Karen Page and Foggy and and Matt Murdock all talking and stuff, and I just I just like stop. Let's 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 can we can we move on past this? I'm bored. I'm not. This isn't doing anything for me. This is just exposition for the sake of having exposition. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is how my opinion. Or, or it's like when you watch the Sons of Anarchy, and anytime Jax would talk to Tara, you know, I'd just be like, I can't, I, I can't. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's just, it's too much, you know. So, and it's not, and it wasn't as bad here, but I just felt that it was very forced, and you know, the 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 real entertainment comes from later on where Seth and Chris, who's uh, Ben Diesel's character. You kind of understand there's like a, a big brother kind of vibe going on between them, you know, right. big brother, little brother. And I kind of wish that was more of like the the love interest sort of thing. Not, you know, literally, but just it felt it would feel much more. Oh, that makes sense. But how would she get in there? I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I feel like all the brokers have to be men for whatever reason. I mean, maybe there could have been a woman on top. Root. And then the guys would go and be the macho dudes as well. <laughs> but she's a receptionist. <laughs> Outside, and then there's another woman who's like the operator who More, sits in with you know, everybody. Big brother, little brother. I think, uh, I think four women in this movie. Right. The entire, the entire film. There's Seth's mother, and I think there's also... Actually, yeah, and then there's a woman in the beginning in the hotel, like, for a second, so I count her. Uh, yeah, so there's like four women. That's it. <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, it's a real macho dude movie. Yeah, I, I guess they, they could have had there in there. And then... You're right. She's really just there to be the love interest, and um, and the operator. The connections to the show. She's in a lot of Eric Schaefer movies, which we've talked about. My life's in turnaround and his TV show. Um, what was different in the script with that you read? Was it better? Because that's always people always say it's better than. What Actually, it wasn't much better. There's moments where the original, where where Seth spends more time with his dad. Like doing like father son, yeah, like father son stuff. Like I, well, I, I recall this distinctively. They're watching cartoons, and Seth's like laying, you know, and this is like in real life, and like and like not like on a flashback, like you know, like in real time, you know. There's a scene where they're watching cartoons, and Seth is on laying down watching cartoons, and he's got his feet up. I, I, I remember this. I, I remember there's a scene with that. It's very, it was very out of place, which obviously them cutting it was better. Uh, but the movie is much better for it. Um, also, the ending, because if you have the DVD, you see the alternate ending. They did a shoot an alternate ending. But it's also how it ends in the script is uh, with uh, Harry Renard, the uh, hard luck guy, uh, going to uh, JT Marlin with a gun. And uh, you do, basically what happens is Seth's uh, about to leave. He says Seth's leaving the building, and as he's walking out, he's talking like, "Oh man, you know, I, I can't believe I took Harry for all his money. You know, I, I would have never believed, you know, I could do that. And if I passed him on the street, I wouldn't even know who he was." And just as he's saying that, he walks by Harry Renard as he's walking into J.T. Marlin, you know, with a briefcase that has a gun in it. And then you know, and he kind of bumps into him. He's like, "Oh, hey, sorry, man." And then just, that's that's how, that's it. That's how the movie ends. I kind of like that. What do you like better? Because the, the other, the real ending is that uh, Seth gets the FBI behind him and takes him down, and takes down the whole organization. And 
tips Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel gets out and lets his girlfriend get arrested. And then he says, now I got to go get a job, which seemed like such kind of a. It's a cop out. Yeah, it's a cop out. And it's it's smug. And you're like, you know what? You just made me watch this two, literally two hour movie. And you're going to be like, no, I'm going to find a job. Well, I wouldn't have gone with that line. I am OK with the ending, though. You me too. I am, yeah, I'm OK with that ending. Um, however, though, I just I do question the validity of Seth's plan to get Harry his money back by getting him on the IPO and having Chris sign the sales ticket and how that's going to make guarantee that Harry doesn't lose all of his money. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel fake like it's stocks, right? It's what? Are they all like fake companies? So the IPO is fake. Yeah, it's all garbage. It's all garbage. It's like, well, how, I mean, I guess there's some money the way that, you know, there's some way that I, I cause they explained it at some point too. Mm-hmm. Like they explain how these guys make money and I just, I still don't get it. Even though I'm, even though they explain it pretty bluntly. I, I like this ending though, because he makes, it makes sense. However, though, I think I, I just, I don't know if I feel like the dubiousness of it, of, a, of his plan. Additionally, I wonder how, well, first of all, there's a few things. He copies his entire hard drive onto a single floppy disk. Bullshit. <laughs> Not happening. No, no. And it takes like two minutes. Like I would have done Literally, that a yeah. week ago. And then just because it was taking that long back then. Well, no, because he had yeah, but but he had like literally twenty four hours. I, and also the whole fan, the whole fact that his entire plan to bring down this show or bring down or bring down this operation happens within a day. Like you know, and he just he goes in, gets the hard drive, you know, and even has finds time to warn uh, Vin Diesel, who I wonder if Vin Diesel gets out in time. I'm more I'm more actually kind of worried about him. Does he run out the back door, or does he like? Does he wait till the cops leave with their with their trucks? And does he like you know? But did they have the tow trucks when they're pulling in? Also, like this is the flaw in that is all these men and and the two women are implicated in this. They all did this illegal thing. Just because they're not in the room when they got arrested doesn't make them innocent. It makes right. them a fugitive. Just because he happened to get out. He's their informant, so that's why they're like, eh, we'll pretend that we didn't know that he was part of it. But for Vin Diesel, like, they're going to chase him down. His name is on shit. He's a big guy there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the big earners. And he never let his girlfriend in on it. No, he let, well, Abby, Abby was an informant. Yeah, you're, you're right. So she would have been fine there. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. His dad's fine because apparently, you know, he got arrested, but everything was okay because they just took him out the back door like Seth wanted him to. But that's another scene too where I'm like, he just basically tells the uh, the feds, okay, this is how it's going to go. And I'm like, like just like that? Like, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair deal for him and they're completely okay with it. I don't know. I kind of feel like that's not, uh, I feel like you probably, if you need some, like a lawyer or some sort of le- more of a heavy duty legal risk course, to, to to handle that, I don't know. They don't really need him because they have uh, his girlfriend Nia Long, the the informant, so he can go yeah. to hell. Yeah, and his, <laughs> so the father, the whole backstory, and they bring it up three times. Is that one time when he was a kid, he was lost. He thought he was hit by a car or something, and his dad, instead of hugging no. him, he hit him. <laughs> and it's such a huge part of the movie. Right, this is what screwed him up for for the rest of the, his life. This one event. 
Cause See, I never really I, I he talks about that event a lot, but it doesn't really that doesn't really resonate with me. I just kind of assume that he's a, he's just a, a hustling kid who, you know, had grew up in a strict household and he wants to do do his own thing and be his own man and do all the things, but he's not doing it right and he kind of eventually realizes that he wants to have the acceptance of his father and be his own. He wants, you know, wants to have his cake and eat it too. But they just keep bringing up that thing. And then even the father, when they're in the police station, the father says, uh, let me have one moment with my son. And the moment is, is him saying to his son, I'm sorry, I hit you. I, sh- I was a, you know, I-, I was a bad father or whatever. And that was the moment. That was the thing he chose to say to him before his son went, was going to jail for the night. That's what he had to tell him. So apparently this is a huge thing, which is why I was like, I got to get out of here and take care of my kid because I don't want her to be in 40 years, you know, in jail going, it's because you did that podcast with Sean. (laughs) (laughs) You guys were talking about boiler room and I was, I, I, I needed you. No, yeah, I'll blame it. (laughs) So, um, I have lots of random notes here. I felt actually one of my favorite ideas, favorite things here is, when uh, the Fed, I don't know why the Feds say this, but when they pick up Abby and they're like, Abby, you know, or whatever her name is, and they're like, Abby, whatever, we're here to talk to you about uh, JT Marlin and your mother's health. And I'm like, wait, so the Feds are going to kill her mother? Like, what, what are they, what, what is the end game there? Why are they bringing her mother into this? Like, you just tell her, we're, talk, we're here to talk to you about your shady ass job. Maybe the guy thought he was playing the dozens. We're here to talk to you about. Uh, your organization and your fat ass mama, who has a wig and a kickstand. Uh, Abby, your mom is so fat, she sweats gravy. Your mama, your mama's teeth so yellow, she spits butter. <laughs> I'll go with you, officer. Officer, you're a genius. Uh, that would be fantastic. But that, that was part that of the Miranda be- warnings. You know, you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> you have a right to your fat ass mama. Um, your mom's so poor she cannot pay attention if you have to waive these rights well i i I just feel that uh like thomas everett scott like he's just got the randomest of roles yeah go all right yeah i I agree with you tell me about that because he just shows up a few times and it's like you just apparently are just aware that this guy is the shit and all he does literally shows up and goes we're players now boys and then he like cheers and then they walk he walks away and then he doesn't he's like kind of like like um like ben affleck's role in this movie where he just literally just shows up and yells something and then he walks away and you're just like all right sure whatever you know but everybody just treats him like he's like he's gold and it doesn't really I, I, although towards the end there's that moment with him uh seth and greg and when he's asking to get harry's uh harry on the ipo and he really kind of put, he really kind of shows his worth as a boss in that moment where he's like, you know, hey, this is, you know, Seth's like, here's the situation. And he asks, the, I think his name is, is Michael, asks a lot, he asks a lot of like really good questions, you know, for somebody that's coming in saying, I want you to do this random thing for a guy that lost a bunch of money. Right. Yeah, cause it's such a weird plan, too. It is a weird plan. Did he? Did he ask? I was going to say, like, he asks his dad 
to help him with this, and I'm just like, of all people, that's what you're gonna do? I mean, I don't know. I thought that was weird. I, so there's a scene before his dad gets arrested, or why his dad gets arrested. He goes to his dad for help. He's like, I know these guys are bad, and, and it is a bad place, and uh, I need your money to help so I can just do one big bad deal and, and get out. And I thought I thought he was bullshitting his dad, and it was part of a bigger plan, and that his dad was going to help, and we find out that you know we, it was a double cross and a triple cross and some kind of twist at the end, but it wasn't. It was just a convoluted thing to get his dad arrested. That, that could have been tighter. And I, to go back to your point about Tom Everett Scott, I wonder if him and Ben Affleck were the same character. And they're like, oh, we can get Ben Affleck, this big movie star, but only for a couple of days. So what if That's we split point. it in half? And Tom Everett Scott is a pretty great actor, so they probably, you know, we only get him for a couple of days. So um, he should work. He's another guy who seems like it's weird that he's not. Maybe the movie's just filled with actors who should have been working more. They should have been bigger. Yeah, he was like, what, uh, That Thing You Do? and uh... He was on that show, um, Southland, but he didn't, he wasn't on it a lot. Like, they didn't. A judge in this community! That, or, yeah. of course, the Ben Affleck, you know, God. He, he yeah. was on that show, um, Southland, but he yeah, didn't. Yeah, I was actually going to look him up myself. He wasn't on it a I'm lot. Curious, like, sometimes, yeah, there's a lot of, like, what ifs in this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I will say, uh, Jamie Kennedy in this movie. Yeah, he's actually one of my favorites in this movie. Uh-huh. He's got some of the best lines. Just like, cause like the way he's got this slang that he uses that's it's just it's very unique. Like uh-huh. when uh, they're in that uh bar and the other there's like the the, the broker wars. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well they're always that. getting in fights with other gangs, which reminds me of uh Shakes the Clown when all the clowns would fight with mimes. Um well, anyway, yeah. So they're they're having a fight with they're in the bar and they're fighting some other brokers. Yeah, yeah. So they have like because they're they're go they go to like a fancy bar that's like a little bit outside of what they normally go to because they just you know they're based on Long Island, so they just kind of go to like local watering holes. But you know here they go to you know they go somewhere a little bit you know fancier in the city, and well, not actually not fancier, but they see these other they see these other uh, brokers or these other brokers see them. And for whatever reason, they decide to pick a fight, which doesn't make any sense because it's like, well, so what? What's other guys in suits? Like, does it? I mean, I I know that you probably can afford to do that because you're rich and you just want to, you know, fuck with somebody. But at the same time, it doesn't make any sense. And so they kind of they kind of pick a fight with them. And I, but then uh, so then they start drawing back and forth. And at one point, the the one broker's like. It's like, oh, we work for a firm. You may have heard of it, uh, uh, Goldman Sachs or uh, J.P. Morgan. And, uh, you know, where do you guys work? And he's like, oh, we work at J.T. Marlin. And the guy's like, oh, what is that, a chop shop? And uh, Jamie Kennedy's like, oh, what is that, a chop shop? And he calls him, he calls him, he's like, what are you, Yogi Biz? <laughs> Which, it doesn't make any sense. But I just like the fact that he just throws out this random like insult like he he has a bunch of those moments like in the very beginning when he's snorting coke and he's like he's like i need some nose candy like just his his swagger is very it's very endearing like it actually and it took me a minute to determine that that's him for some reason i felt that was some other actor but it's that's him jamie kennedy yeah he had a streak of uh good roles and um uh, you know what's great and if i find it i'll put it on the website is uh Jamie Kennedy recently, two years ago, did a live 
yes. New Year's Eve special on this local station, uh, KDOC. Do you know that channel? It's from, it's outside I, of LA, yep, but yep. they pretend they're in LA. So it's in Orange County. And he, uh, he did this live New Year's Eve special and it just, everything went wrong. It was terrible. And there's a great supercut of it on uh, YouTube. Uh, it's just hilarious. Uh, so I say I knew a guy that uh, produced it. Oh, actually. tell me about that. Well, I don't know him. Know him? I just know that he was behind it, and it was because he does other stuff in yeah. the area for KGOC and all that stuff. And I just, I think, I think he was, in, he was like one of the guys behind that event. And I'm certain he's probably got some stories to tell about that because it was like him, and it was like Jamie Kennedy and like Bone Thugs and Harmony were there. And uh, who, who was there? Were uh, some other random celebrities? No, the the singer, the the um, the woman with the with the weird voice, with like a baby voice. We'll uh, but she was like, she appeared to be very very drunk. People are yelling crazy shit. You know, at the, it's everything. And it was, it was, wrong, it, was wrong. it was on TV. It was live TV. So like, they had no way of kind of like trying to filter it, which I can just imagine. This fellow that I know having uh having a uh have a just, just losing his like he probably was uh like the producer of the Oscars in the Naked Gun. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> the Pepso. I just I just remember that. And but, they yeah. didn't have a stage manager, which um it seems like a good idea because you'll save a lot of money, but you need somebody especially when you're live, because a lot of times they would come back and Jamie Kennedy would be arguing with somebody who would go, What are we on yet? Does anybody know? And you know, there was no one telling him he's on, and so it just—that's how they would come back from commercials. Just completely crazy. It's really worth watching. I'd love to talk to your friend. I'm sure he's no longer in the business um, after that. <laughs> he's the Tom Everett Scott of uh, TV producing. No, Tom Everett Scott. He—I mean—it's just weird the stuff he's done because he's such a good actor. Um, yeah, he did a voice in Batman. You should have known that. Oh man, I can't believe Which he didn't. Which one? Booster Gold on the Brave and the Bold. Oh, okay. Well, here's the thing. There's so many voice actors that have come through on those shows that like, and it could, that, that don't always do the same character from show to show. But yeah, no, I didn't. Re- yeah, I didn't realize he was Booster Gold in an episode of Brave and the Bold, which is fantastic. That's a great comp. That's a great show, by the way. It's what it's what it's basically. It's kind of like Cartoon Network just using DC's license to its fullest tilt because they would just bring in a lot of random comic book characters that you wouldn't normally see on those shows you know because it's typically it's like well batman you got the joker and superman and all that stuff it's like well you know they got dr fate and they got martian manhunter and you got booster gold and blue beetle and just all these really random characters which you know and the show ended up you know it was kind of campy and Diedrich bader who voiced batman he's he's okay he's he's not the best but you know for that particular style he hits it. He hits it pretty good. I, I and, can imagine uh, he sounds great as Batman. That's a really cool idea because he's such like a big dude. And, yeah. Uh, John DiMaggio did Aquaman. Bender. He did. Yes. Uh, I was just trying to think who else, but obviously he does a lot of stuff. Tom Kenny, but he obviously does a lot of voices. Does SpongeBob. I met. I met. Tom, I met Tom Kenny at the Podfest last year, I think. Uh huh. And I thought that he did the voice of Skeets, which is incidentally Blue Beetle or Booster Gold's robot buddy. But he didn't. That was Billy West. So I kind of embarrassed myself. I was like, oh man, I loved you and your cartoon stuff. 
because I don't watch SpongeBob, but if I do, he's done. I, I, I know Tom from Mr. Show, so. But it's so funny because uh, Tom Kenny does a thousand voices and you pick the one he didn't do, <laughs> right? You finally get to meet yeah, him exactly. and you're like, hey, you're great as the Blue Beetle's cousin. Like, no, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. Blue Beetle's uh, cousin. Black, uh, Black Wasp. <laughs> hey, what's up, Black Wasp? So I have a few more notes here. I just actually have a lot of random like, things here. I have Vin Diesel is a brick but has more hair. I don't know Say if that, that makes sense. Vin Diesel is a brick, but he has more hair. <laughs> how high was how high was Sean? Um, <laughs> no, but here's the thing. He's very much like a big like St. Bernard kind of guy who doesn't really like he's kind of dumb in this movie. And it's kind of sad that he's gonna get pinched because of the guys that you of the the of the guys in this movie that you're kind of, I guess, rooting for. You know, I kind of root for him more than I do for Seth. You know, I like I like him more in this movie. I like him more as a as a as a character. Uh, although one of my favorite scenes in this part is when so they go to pay, so Seth gets his series seven, passes the series seven, and then they go out to Manhattan, and they're sitting there in uh, Vin Diesel's car to pick up Nikki Cat or Greg. And so Seth's kind of like, you know, this is when Seth's kind of picking up on all the stuff. And he's like, so don't you understand? Doesn't it seem weird that we do this or we do that? You know, and he just kind of flat out asks, he, uh, Vin Diesel, is, is, he goes, Chris, why do you still live with your mother? And Vin Diesel just goes, what? And he goes, why do you still live with your mother? And he just doesn't answer him. <laughs> he just, just completely just sh- shuts down. And was that what supposed to make us feel sympathetic for Vin Diesel? Like, that's why we had to let him go, because he lives with his mom. He doesn't have a big mansion with no furniture like all these other dudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he doesn't... Well, because it's kind of driving home the point where they're like, these guys don't know how to use their money very well, which, I don't know. I think that's that's driven home a little bit too much. You know, it's like, these guys have no idea what to do with their money. These guys are crazy. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I get it. Yeah, so whatever, you know. Although... Although I do like, I think it's Ben Affleck's house we go to, and he's got like a random Playboy grotto, like just the wall in his house, and then there's like nothing else. There's like a a tanning bed and a big screen TV playing uh, Wall Street constantly. Yeah, yeah, that that rang true as well. Um, What also rang true is Vin Diesel's character. Like I knew guys like that, just big muscle head guys who were making shitloads of money you know through sheer force and yeah i felt like that was realistic like that was nothing about this movie i felt like i maybe that's what made me uncomfortable i knew these guys that were there yeah you know i went to school with these guys these kind of like knucklehead uh you know whatever guy whatever issues i put on them so yeah so i felt like that was real and that that it is possible to make all that kind of money and then the ripping people off that made me that was effective it was sad you could say that Harry character was a little over the top where they kept showing him fighting with his wife about his mistake, but uh, it just made it real. And uh, yeah, I felt really bad for it. those scenes really cringe. I was like, oh, because I remember seeing that when the movie came out 15 years ago. I was like, oh, I got to sit through this. Yeah, that's a, that, was a, that was a very, uh, well, just the fact that he, because you could tell that, uh, and I, I can't remember what the actor's name is, but 
He's been in other stuff. He's another guy who should be working all the time. He the only right? other thing I know him from was a show called The Mind of the Married Man. Do you remember that? It was on HBO. It used to be on like right after I think either Sopranos or Curb Your Enthusiasm. And he's he does a great job of that because it's a very like a, a the, the way that the character comes across is like he's he knows that he's 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 anticipating some sort of because you know, he wants to do right by his family, but. He knows he's gotten in too deep and he wants to get out and he got in too deep with the wrong kind of people that he didn't even know. He knows he's ridiculous for even even going that route. And he just he just loses his mind and you know, his family suffers at it and you know, in the alternate ending he like, you know, kills everybody apparently. Uh, it's 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 pretty tragic. Taylor Nichols so, is the guy's name uh, and all right, so I'm trying to think what he was in that was uh he, I think he was in some great independent stuff in the 90s. I'm scrolling right down to that. He was in Congo, which is not an independent film from the <laughs> 90s. Oh, Barcelona. Yeah, so I think he was in all those type of movies. Um, which yeah. Some you know who's a... You know what's another scene, too, of the, with a Terry-type character that kind of kind of stood out to me was the doctor taking the sales call at work like while he's doing doctor stuff. Like, it just... Like that's okay with him, even though he's kind of like half-assed, kind of into it. He still is going. I'm like, dude, just. And you first of all, you're a successful doctor. Why don't you just have like a broker handle this for you? Like you could, you know, why are you taking a, a cold call at your office? I don't know. This is this is the first time you thought about investing your money. Yeah. What do you got a grotto on your <laughs> wall and a uh, big screen TV? You're a doctor. Uh, yeah, that was weird. Um, would you recommend yes. if you were on a plane and this movie came on would you watch it would you watch it without sound or would you walk out if I was on a plane well I can't walk out on a plane I yes. have a parachute so the third option is okay. not an option thanks for not listening to the show no okay. that's it. Um, I would watch it and I would watch it without sound If I, I would do both if I had a choice of if I, if if I if it was one or the other, I would do both. Why would you? Because you know the film so well, you just kind of mouth along, like yeah. I would just scene. stand. I would just be really loud about it, and at some point, I would just be like, "Hey, kid, <laughs> get the fuck out of here!" Because that's what you. Do I hear that sometimes? He's loud, but he's accurate. It's like, hey, he's he's getting all the lines yeah. right. You know, we don't have to call the TSA at him. He'll be fine. <laughs> no, I would totally. No, I would totally watch it though. I, I would totally watch. I would actually, I would almost prefer to watch it without sound. Even though the soundtrack is fantastic, I'll watch it without sound. I would totally watch it without sound. Yes. No sound. And is there a moral to this movie? Uh, don't. Uh, I say don't start shooting until you know what the ending is. But go ahead. What do you say? <laughs> don't uh, be smart about the choices you make. I guess that's very generic, but... Be smart about the choices you make. Feel confident in yourself to do the right thing, and not just hop onto something. If, if choose your, you'll follow your gut. If you think something's shitty, get out of it. I don't know. Are you talking about the Seth character or the writer director? Talk about Seth. Talk oh, about okay. Seth. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I think it's great, and uh, you know, there's a great scene um, we have to mention when he's eating cereal and he gets a sales call for the New York Newsday 
to get a prescription, yeah. a subscription or a prescription. And uh, the guy does a terrible sales call, and he like makes him do a good sales call, and then hangs up on him. Uh, I thought that was uh, that I remember is a great scene. It's very funny. Well, actually, like I like the when he's like when he when the guy. Well, I was going to say I like that part in that scene where he's like, he's like, okay, start again, and it's like the guy's like, okay, how's your day? He's like, shitty. It's like, yeah, you know, okay, well, uh, here, here goes into the pitch. I just, I just like his sweat because it's kind of like when you get really good at something in life and you just kind of want to try it out all the time, and he's doing just that. And it's actually mm-hmm. that's kind of admirable that he's he's getting some confidence. You know, unfortunately, it's for the wrong, completely wrong reasons here. You know, I was working on a court show, so you call people up. It was actually divorce court, so people are going through a divorce and cold call them and try to get them on the TV show and. uh and I just remember my phone rang, and in the middle of it, a guy was trying to sell me something. And I was like, no, get out. And I hung up, and I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing right now. I should have been nicer to him. Well, you try, I, 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 I do that when uh, I, I get calls sometimes from when I went to, Emer- I, I, I went to uh, Emerson College. It's a great school. And- we get it. <laughs> and, uh, but it's one of those schools where it's like they're always looking for like donations and money. And actually... Actually, this is actually a better point. Uh, I used to be a bill collector. Oh. And this was actually, it wasn't, uh, I didn't see this movie being get inspired to be a bill collector. Um, but Right, it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice. It was kind of something where after I got out of college, you know, I ended up working in uh, collections for, shit, probably, man, I think actually three years. I think it was, yeah, because I'm on, I'm on IMDb right now. Guys are doing where they're like, you know, calling up and saying, I got, you know, I'm Seth Davis, I'm 34 years old, and I got six kids, and I got this, and I got, you know, I've been in this business for 20 years, and, you know, whatever. There would be people that I would work with who would do that as a collector, you know, calling up people and be like, I'm a police officer. There's helicopters coming to your house. You know, there's, uh, you know, we're, we're going to arrest you. We're going to take all, we're going to freeze all of your assets, which, you know, none of that can happen, you know, for at least in that, from that, uh, from a credit card, at least from my knowledge. So, uh, and it was just, it would just, but you would see that. And it was a very, uh, this movie actually kind of has a lot of that kind of, every time I see it, I always remember that. So you're telling people if they get a call from a collector and they do all these crazy threats. So if they you get a call from a collector th- and they call up and say, I'm calling uh, I'm calling from this law office, uh, I'm an investigator, and you've uh, violated this agreement, uh, this legally binding agreement, and my client is going to sue you, I would say if it's the first time you're hearing from them about a credit card bill that maybe has been, you know, that maybe you haven't paid in like six months or a year. Chances are what they're saying is probably not true. You know, you just haven't, if you haven't paid a credit card in a year, you just haven't paid a credit card in a year. That's it. And it's on your credit. It's on your credit. It makes it look bad. It makes you, it gives you difficulty, but you know, that debt's been sold off to another place and people are trying to collect it. And trying to get that money, and they're some of them are just doing whatever they can to get it, you know. So that's that's usually how that works. That's good for um, the deadbeat audience that we have here. 
Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And again and again, I keep seeing this in articles about podcasting. Uh, apparently, podcasting audiences are smarter and much more well-off than uh, non-podcast listeners. So if you imagine the listeners of the show, they, uh, they, they, they don't have, they're, they're doing pretty good. So twin bed together, <laughs> or not <laughs> queen bed. Yeah. Beyond, uh, cause I know they got that cash. Uh, you know, they could do the, click that Amazon link, you know, make sure you buy some, uh, some socks. Are you just kissing up to your audience? Yeah. Yeah. I want them to, you know, uh, support my Patreon. Because uh, I know they got that cash. Uh, you know, they could do the, click that Amazon link. You know, make sure you buy some uh, some socks. Yeah, apparently podcast audiences uh, love to send letters because nobody else sends letters except for people who, uh, you know, apparently everyone uses email except for people who listen to podcasts because there's always ads for postage and the postage meter. Like I've gone to. The, yeah. That, that, is that weird? Do you guys have that as an advertiser? Oddly enough, we don't. Uh huh. But everybody else is <laughs> worried about the boiler room. Oh, well, let's pretend. Let's do a quick role play. Maybe this will go nowhere. You're okay. collecting money from me, and <laughs> I'm going to try to avoid it. You ready? Okay. All right. Hello, who this? Hi, this is, uh, hello, uh, is this Mr. Jones? No. Okay. Do you know when Mr. Jones will be in the, be back home? No. Can you take down a message for me? No. Well, why do you want to speak to Mr. Jones? Well, my name... But it was um, just the, the main male characters. And, and, and right there, I've already violated a million what? agreements right there. Why so, is that? Because you can't, because you can't, because you're supposed to be like, I'm calling from a collection agency. And you have to say like the disclaimer, like, Hey, this is so and so, and this may be a you know you may be collecting a debt and blah blah blah. You know, it's it's. But once you get past that point, because I mean, most people, unless they don't want to talk to you, then they don't. They just they're not going to talk to you. I mean, so if they can pay the bill, they're going to pay it. If they're not going to pay it, then they will figure some other way to not pay it. I met this guy in uh, Vegas. His name was David, and he said that the bill collector called and said, "Is this David?" And he said, "Yes," because I'm a bill collector. He goes, "Hold on a second. My name is Navid. <laughs> I thought you said Navid. Are you looking for David? No, no, no. I'm not him. I'm Navid. <laughs> well, one, one, one of my favorites would be if you get somebody on the phone and you would be like, okay, so-and-so there? No. Well, uh, do you know when they'll be in? Uh, they'll be in later tonight. Well, could you take down a message from me? Sure. Uh, this is Sean from XYZ. I need you to... He calling back at XXX. And I'm like, oh, you, are you? And, and then I would kind of stop and I'd be like, and they'd be like, uh huh, yeah. And I'd be like, are you writing this down? And they just hang up on you. <laughs> you're, you know, because you want them to actually write it down. Or, but typically, you know, they're not. You know, and there used to also be the, the, the practice of uh, what's known as skip tracing. I don't know if you ever heard of this. Which no, is basic, this. It's what you do is you go and you have like different databases where you go through and you try to like find relatives or neighbors that you will call to be like, well, I'm calling from this place and I need you to get a hold of this person. I need you to take a message. And you would call like, you know, we, they would be like, you get to a point where a person doesn't have uh, credentials you know, or doesn't have like a, any like contacts. So you would just 
call neighbors and leave messages with neighbors and piss them off and then piss the neighbors off at the debtor. You know, it just, it was really, it just, it's awful. It's so awful. I'm so glad I'm not doing it. I'm so glad I'm working on podcasting. <laughs> we would do that also. We would get, use Nexus and, and find out who the neighbors are and call them. I, I might've talked about this in the show, but the, the one of the big tricks was you go, you find in the town they're in their phone. They don't have a phone. You call up the Papa John's or whatever pizzeria there. And then you offer them five bucks. You order a small pizza and you say, listen, I'll give you an extra $5 tip if you put in this note from me saying, hey, I'm from divorce court. Well, give me a call. And then you deliver the pizza. And on divorce court, it always worked. It always get a call back right away. I would, ca- I would call back a note in the pizza. I think I would. Yeah, yeah even if you owed $10,000. Like, listen, they care about me. John, thank you very much. What other shows should people be checking out? How do we find Sideshow Network? Uh, you can check out Sideshow Network at sideshownetwork.tv. Uh, myself and my wife, Jen, we have a show called Worst Collection Ever that we do on Sideshow Network, uh, which is where me and Jen, we go through our comic book collection, which admittedly is extremely worthless because we buy all of them for like a buck or 50 cents. And... They're, it's just random dreck, but we decided to make the use out of it, and so just we kind of rip on like a DC comic and a Marvel comic every week and talk about how crappy it is and how ridiculous it is. And you know, we uh, every Tuesday we drop it. Uh, right now, you can find us in the uh, comics on comics feed, but probably by the time this airs, we will have our own feed on iTunes, so you can find it there. Uh, worst collection ever, or you can look it up on sideshownetwork.tv. We'll have our own page there as well. So, uh, yeah, that's there's that show. Um, we also have some great new shows debuting soon. Um, we have some shows with Pat, we have a show with Patty Stanger that folks might like uh, about the. It's called the Love and Sex Report. It's got a lot of salacious details about celebrities, which. People might dig. Uh, also, another one we just work with uh, is called Full Frontal Radio, which features uh, two members of the band All Time Low as a punk band. And uh, they have a huge, huge audience, but the audience is so great and so excited for them. And it's just these two guys just being knuckleheads, but the fans love it. And it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. I mean, but just go to sideshownetwork.tv, man. We have, I mean... We got Jillian Michaels as part of our network. I mean, it's it's fantastic. So please check it out. Please check it out. Yeah, I'm really happy that you're doing that. I know when we met, you were trying to get in there, and now you're there. So that's awesome. I was no help. Yeah, and, and uh, I I met you through uh, Chris Gore, actually. You you were, because uh, I was producer of Podcrash. Yeah, you did a great job. You did yeah, all the I... work. Let's be honest. Seriously, I've never right? been a big Scorsese I mean, I couldn't guy, believe how so organized maybe, that show was. And I, I, I did all that work. Yeah, I just admit, it's just one of those a pod crash. Yeah, I <laughs> podcasting. One of the biggest, the best ways to do it is if you can find somebody that you know. If you live out here in LA, and if you meet a personality, or if it doesn't matter who it is, really, actually, some if you got an idea for a show, and you find if you go to a comedy show or a play or something like that, and you find the right kind of talent, you want to produce a show with somebody, freaking do it. And if they got, you know, connections, you'll find a way into bigger and better guests and people that, you know, can help you get along uh, in the industry 
and eventually, you know, you can get yourself like on a network. And I just happened to be working with Chris at the time that Sideshow showed interest in Chris. And Chris, thankfully, was able to vouch for me. Uh, it was very gracious of him to vouch for me as a producer type to Sideshow. And they just happened to be looking for somebody. And that's how I got the job. And I've been there for, uh, I feel it's going to be three years in February, which is fantastic and uh i've worked with a great group of people and uh it's it's been it's been fantastic and uh you know i hope chris comes back and does his show sometime soon i've tried to get him to get back into it he's kind of busy so uh hopefully pod crash will make a return in 2016 it's a lot of work for you i don't know why you would do that now that you're a big shot you can get somebody else to do it well i would put some juice behind it but you know hey i mean i i, I think i always envision pod crash as kind of like the Anthony Bourdain, no reservations of podcasting, uh-huh. you know, going, going to all these different shows and just kind of like being their guest and talking about the experience and having to be weird or having to be, you know, controversial or something like that. And he had, there were some moments in that show that were just, just a lot of fun because it was just unexpectedness. And, you know, I got to actually meet a lot of really cool people in the podcasting industry that I still keep in touch with through that show um, and have helped out and have helped me out, vice versa, because of just because of the, uh, you know, the friendships that you make. That's what's the beautiful thing about podcasting is just having these connections. Like, I know you and you're a fantastic human. Keep going. So uh, and I know you through from podcasting and it is, it's, you know, the stuff like that means the world to me. Yeah, I mean, that's how I got to meet Chris, you know, someone I, I admired for a while and then met you and other people. That It, it is pretty amazing. Yeah. And uh, what a great advice. Do you, you know, this is such a DIY thing. Yeah. Why not go out there and just do it? Great, John. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. All right. All right, later. See you, bye. Adam, we're out of time for this interview. Thanks for listening to Proudly Resents. Make a comment or suggest a film at reachadam at mac.com or on our comment line. Ready? Get a pencil. (laughs) I'll wait. Okay, got one? Okay. 646-481-5476. Six. Keep it clean and short. We might air it. Join us on Facebook or be old school and go to our website, proudlyresents.com. If you like the show, put the episode up on your Twitter, Facebook, stumble upon, dig, you know, all those things. Tell a friend, I'm Eddie Pepitone, and my Twitter account is at Eddie Pepitone.